Hello. First of all, if you haven't listened to part one of this, uh, listen to part one first, because this is part two and it won't make much sense. Secondly, it is the second week of Max Fun Drive, the two-week period where shows on the Maximum Fun Network, such as Beef and Dairy Network, very gently let our listeners know that these shows are audience-supported. A huge thanks to everyone who already supports Beef and Dairy Network. If you'd like to do so, why not go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. That's MaximumFun.org forward slash join. If you love the show and want to chip in, then that's the place for you. All right. Enjoy this episode. Hello. I'm the actor Roger Westcott Lemay and whenever I'm holidaying in international waters, I kick things off with a big glass of nodge. Barkeep, another glass of nodge, please. Nodge me up, man, and fast. But increasingly, cruise ship bars are reluctant to serve nodge to their passengers. Absolute madness. Well, luckily, I have a solution. Roger Westcott Lemaigrelet's Nodge in a Tin. Finally, the drink that the Coast Guard won't stop talking about in tinned form. But won't the Nodge burn through the aluminium can, I hear you ask? Well, luckily, each tin is made of strengthened lead. Simply use a power drill, Dremel, or jigsaw to access the sweet Nodge. So don't just drink it, Nodge it. Go on! Bodge a nodge into your gorge. Remember, consuming nodge is illegal in every country on earth. Please enjoy nodge responsibly. Reface. Verb. To renew the face, facade, or front of. Hello, and welcome to Banyan the Defacening. Part 2. The Refacening. To jog your memory, at the end of part one, we left Michael on the cruise ship where he was due to have his cow's face removed by a disgraced arse vet, and he'd just discovered that the novelist Jonathan Franson was on board, disguised as a salmon moose. If Franson was on board, then... Murakami, Rushdie, Amos, Qureshi, possibly even Mike Rylance, weren't going to be weren't going to be far away. Banyan knew that if he came into contact with them, he would be sucked into an apocalyptic bender. So, so my plan at this point was get to my cabin, get my stuff, get onto a lifeboat, and take my chances in the North Atlantic. My thinking was, we can sort my face out another day. I just need to get the hell away from these people. I got to my cabin door. It was one of those really annoying ones you get in hotels with the card key. It was really hard to work. I was jiggling away. I cannot believe this is happening. I just need to get the hell out of here. And I was jiggling away, jiggling away, jiggling away, and uh, I couldn't get it to open. And then I heard a voice. What are you doing, Michael? Stop fighting it. You can't escape us. Uh, Everything then fell into place. Someone had clearly got on board, disguised as my door. And I actually wasn't jiggling away at my door handle. I was, in fact, vigorously shaking hands with Booker Prize winner Salman Rushdie. Wow. So he was essentially in disguise as your door. My worst fears were realised. They were all there. Haruki Murakami, 
dressed as an information kiosk. Donna Tart was there, in disguise as a couple of retired Bristolian accountants. One played by her, the other controlled remotely by Andy Serkis. And uh, Mark Rylance was uh, there as well, giving one of the most quietly breathtaking performances of his career as a, uh, as a wall of pamphlets. So when you become aware that the luminaries of the literature world are on the ship, did you not think that there was a chance that they were there to show their support to you? They were once your friends, after all. I might have thought that for a millisecond, um, but if I'd had any illusions, they were swiftly removed when I saw Margaret Atwood dishing out T-shirts. When they go for a big bender, especially a themed bender, they they like to produce T-shirts. Um, they all have accounts at Snappy Snaps. If Franzen clicks his fingers and says nautical bender, puts that on the WhatsApp group, you can be sure that Margaret Atwood will be on the phone to her local Snappy Snaps within minutes sorting out the T-shirts. I imagine in kind of various <sighs> nautical-based puns, things like that. Um... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's no way of dressing up. It, it said, um, ahoy me knobheads. Yeah, um, each one had a picture of a uh, a Jolly Roger, but um, instead of a skull, it was Jonathan Franz's face, and instead of the two interlocking bones, it was a snooker cue and a very, very long pint uh, of lager with um, uh, drips denoting lager spillage going off the edge. Margaret Atwood, she puts these things together um, alongside the team that designed her novel front covers, so they're quite well done. Uh, and ahoy me knobheads, um, so ahoy exclamation mark, uh, me, me spelled M-I, to yeah. represent, uh, replicate a kind of maritime speech pattern. And and then ahoy me knobheads, um, uh, knob, uh, denoting penis, heads, heads, uh, heads uh, with, uh, with three Zs. Right. So not spelt with the S, but with three Zs to, um, j- just to, 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 to enhance the mood. Because, of course, traditionally that would be ahoy me hearties. That's right. And they very cleverly then swapped out the word hearties. With, with with knobheads, with knobheads, I see, and knobheads would probably normally be spelt with an S, but instead of the three Zs to note the atmosphere of you know tearing down authority, not respecting things, yes. uh, being generally rude, right? Uh, and those were dished out. I look when I'm in the clutch of these guys. There's nothing I can do. I I, I knew I was I was a goner at this point. I, I pulled the T-shirt on. If there was any part of me that stood the vaguest of chances of resisting a full-on night with these with these people. That was swiftly wiped out when I heard the the words I, I dreaded, I think, more than any other four words in the English language. Bring out Dr. Nodge. Right, so who, who's Dr. Nodge? Dr. Nodge is a... Sorry, can I just have a moment? It's just such a bloody shame that these people are like this. It's okay. Just take a moment. They write such bloody good fiction. That's the... That's the real tragedy of it. Have you read Time's Arrow? It's a decent book. Midnight's Children has some strong passages. These guys can write. 
It's not fun. No one's saying it's fun. You don't want to read it. No one's saying that. But blimey, they can string a load of words together, these these guys. They really can. Listen, you don't have to tell me who Dr. Nodge is if, if it's too painful for you, Michael. Dr. Nodge is a... He's a mythic creation. He's the symbol of the lash. He's he's the god of fun. He's um, he's Loki. He's 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 the uh, the impish, um, you know, the impish immortal spirit of the bender. Yeah, I see. Getting crushed, getting out there, getting getting jaspered. Yeah, he's a totem for the total annihilation of of a minibar, the ransacking of a original hotel, the destruction of street bollards, ransacking of public high streets and pedestrianised areas, city centres all over this country for the past two to three decades. That's Dr Nodge. That's Dr Nodge. And you ask any police policeman or woman in this country about Dr Nodge and you will get tasered. No questions asked. No questions asked. You will be tasered. And, uh, and, and Dr Nodge gave the name to a cocktail a cocktail beloved by this crew and uh, a cocktail which is banned in every country on earth including north korea and for that reason can only be drunk legally in international waters so you put two and two together and you get nodge in this situation it was no surprise that these guys wanted to roll out dr no- dr nodge and sit on the front row of a Nodge symposium. Banyan then told me the ingredients for Nodge. If you don't want your life to be irrevocably changed forever, look away now. Two parts vodka, three parts white rum, 15 parts Fanta, four parts pomegranate shower gel, five parts Cointreau, two parts good olive oil, Four parts bad olive oil. Six parts bishop's blood. Sanguine Christi. A glass of 1974, no later, French petrol. 98 parts any old lager. Two Bellinis, an old-fashioned, a porn star martini, three sex on the beaches and a screwdriver. Uh, And by a screwdriver, I mean the tool, not the drink. A handful of ham. A couple of roast potatoes. Two drops of thigh sweat from a serving member of the Dutch Parliament. A live male blue tit or any finch. A five euro note. The tears of a semi-professional wrestler. A sprinkling of pork and beef meatballs. And the whole thing is served straight up in a waste paper basket and topped off with the corner piece of a jigsaw puzzle depicting a crofter at work. And did you drink one of these Dr. Nodges? I, uh, I'm not proud, but I, uh, I nodged. I handed in my dissertation to Dr. Nodge that day, yes. I mean, and that shows you the level of control these guys have, you know, these people have on me is, um, you know, I knew that later on that day I would be under the knife in one of the most dangerous, ambitious, and completely unprecedented operations ever to take place on Earth. The fact is, when Dr. Nodge is, when he's visiting the campus and you get invited up to his, his study, you, uh, you go in. Do you know what I mean? So you consumed the Nodge? I consumed the Nodge. 
obviously that's a pretty uh it's a pretty rich brew uh what kind of effects are you feeling off the back of a nodge well, I tell you what, as it goes down your throat, it's very, very hard to explain the, the flavour of it uh, and the feeling. It's quite incredible. Um, if you're aware, have you ever seen one of those, um, those large, round um, glass globes and inside there's a kind of electrical power, a kind of, a kind of like lightning? Yes, I know lightning, what you mean. Kind yep. of bottled lightning, that yep. electrical spark. Um, it, I think the feeling is like having one of those, those globes just, just smashed over your head. So you're absolutely laid out. But when you do manage to get to your feet, you're then filled with a level of confidence that is utterly unbearable for anyone in your vicinity. It's, it, you know, you are unspeakably arrogant. You, you just feel so utterly confident. You feel you could do anything. They say that the, they say that the level of confidence uh, you get from a glass of Nodge is uh, the equivalent of finding out that you've won the Turner Prize, the Booker Prize, a Pulitzer, and found a fully stamped Cafe Nero loyalty card in your wallet on the same day. So what happened next? I didn't really remember much of what happened. I do know that Martin Amis was sick in a hand dryer. Right. And that Hiroki Murakami tried to swim up the pipe feeding a hot tub. Right. And um, I believe that as he was uh, restrained by staff, he was shouting, I am the filtration system. It's a pretty classic kind of nodge stuff. Classic nodge stuff. I believe that Jonathan Franzen was able to actually legally marry uh, a disco ball that afternoon. Um, he he yanked it off the the ceiling of the uh, the main ballroom, and he was able to get together the, the, the people who, who, who were qualified to do it, and, and that happened. So obviously, all this is taking place. Am I right in saying that this is what I read that the the ship actually issued a a distress signal across the radio, a mayday signal, essentially, That's right. and started sending warnings over the tannoy, essentially, yep. to get everyone onto the lifeboats. That's right. It was at this point that there was still part of my brain that was still me, if you see what I mean. I mean, I I, I, I was aware of the separation between the, the, the internal me that was still me and the the essentially the nodge you know the 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 the, the, the sort of nodge avatar that i'd become on the outside right and that's what happens and you end up and so on my outsides i could i could i was aware of what i was doing i was aware that the the the, the nodge version of me was trying to was trying to eat all of the stuff in the casino the playing cards the um the uh the chips the the um little croupier sticks the ashtrays and all the bays but the internal me was still aware that there was a still there was me, and then what happens at that point? The only way to defeat Nodge, I mean, obviously you can have your stomach pumped, you, and you can be you can go into a kind of semi coma for a couple of weeks. The only way to get out of it quickly, immediately, is to close your eyes, and what you do is you say you say very quietly a mantra to yourself, which is Doctor Nodge, Doctor Nodge, reveal yourself now, Doctor Nodge, Doctor Nodge, reveal yourself now. If you say that enough times with your eyes closed, to an outsider, you simply crumple into the fetal position. But what's happening in your mind is the nodge battle has become internalised. What then happens is you open your eyes or you think that you're opening your eyes and you're actually in a vast black space with a bright shining yellow grid at your feet that, that, that recedes all the way to the horizon everywhere you look. You're in a virtual nodge zone. You look down at yourself, you can see your own body. You then look up and you see Dr. Notch. 
And this is when you realise that you have to fight Dr. Nodge. And what does Dr. Nodge look like? It's different for everyone. For me, Dr. Nodge is a Rottweiler with the body of Paul Giamatti. But not... So it's not Paul Giamatti with the head of a Rottweiler? No. No, 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 no. I see. So so just to be clear, for you, it is a Rottweiler's body with Giamatti's head. No, it's a Rottweiler with the body of Paul Giamatti. Oh, I see. Sorry, of course. Can I just ask some questions about this? Mm. When I'm picturing this, because it's a Rottweiler, principally... Is the Paul Giamatti body on all fours? Or is it standing as a man? Well, the body takes the lead from the head, so the body is indeed on all on all fours. It, 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 it's, a, uh, it, it's a Rottweiler with the body of Paul Giamatti. You've made that very clear. Mm. So, um, essentially, the, the body is... It's a human body, but it's um, with the head of a Rottweiler. No, but it's not. You said it wasn't that. You said it. You it's, said it's, it was a, a Rottweiler with the body of. Paul it's Giamatti. a Rottweiler with the body of Paul Giamatti. It's not Paul Giamatti's body with a Rottweiler head. Uh, no, that's right. Sorry. Yes, you you are right. I, I got mixed up there. And and again, the difference is around the neck there. Okay, and just general vibe, I'd imagine. There's different. It's different. Yeah, there's different vibe, as you say. But you know, they do make they do make lovely pets. A Rottweiler with Paul Giamatti's body. Yeah, yeah, great family pet, actually. Mm. So, so you, you're faced then with the Giamatti dog, the dog Giamatti. Uh, what next? Uh, well, that's when I um, just just started um, just punching it. So you need you need to physically best the. Animal. You need to physically best it in an internal way. So, so really, you know, it's a mental struggle, but but actually, in that moment, very very physical. As I'm beating the creature, uh, so with each punch. I could feel reality coming back. So with each punch, I'd get a flash of the the cruise, the, the, the landing on the cruise ship where I was I was collapsed in a corner. That was kind of, and then I'd be back in the rock where I'd punch it again. And gradually, bit by bit, I started to defeat Doctor Nodge essentially, and the the cruise ship reality, this level of reality, the non-Nodge level, the level above Nodge that we live in, started to to to, to win out. And actually, just in the nick of time, because as I gave it that final punch, I was aware of the fact, I became aware of the fact that actually, it was actually um, st- giving birth, uh, and, and I got out just in time because there was uh, I could see a kind of a hideous. Well, this one was. A, it was more like a bit of the face of dramatic and a bit of the face of a Rottweiler on a body that was just an absolute patchwork of Rottweiler and Dramati. There was, there was no logic to it. It was just a patchwork. It was like an absolutely horrendous quilt. But luckily, you snap back into. Luckily, I snap back into into reality just in time. Yeah, I stopped trying to eat all the stuff in the casino, and I was able to get the gang back together. Uh, I had to slap them around a bit. I'm not going to lie, and I, and I said, "Look, guys, we've 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 got to calm the hell down." And um, I used the expression you have to use in the situation, which is, "Doctor Nodge is facing a tribunal." Right. Nodge has gone too far this time, essentially. Nodge has gone too far. He's going to be sent down from the university. He's up in front of a tribunal. Dr. Nodge has lost control of the campus. There are students with placards inside Nodge's study. It's over. 
The Minister for Education is on his way. The Minister of Education is on his way, leading a fleet of tanks to take Nodge down. And if you're more than three quarters of the way through your course, you will get a degree based on averages. You'll get a degree based on the quality of your coursework. And Nodge will still have to be consulted in terms of working out what that average is. So the sad truth is not Nodge will still long term be having an impact on us. But for today, Nodge is as good as done. And when you say that to them, they know exactly what you mean. And Yeah, they know exactly what I mean. And then at that point, you see them all change. Their eyeballs start facing the right way and the upwards moving sweat starts to readjust and starts starts to move downwards, which is a huge relief. And what's happening to them is that internally they're having that kind of virtual reality fight against whatever their version of the Geomati dog hybrid might be. Each of them will represent Dr. Nodge as the thing they fear most. So uh, for Salman Rushdie, it's, uh, it's a... Um, well, it, it, it's Midnight's Children, uh, but, but it, well, it's a, it's a dog with the face of of, of, of a copy of Midnight's Children. Uh, for Julian Barnes, it's someone taking his van away. For Margaret Atwood, it's a Snappy Snaps with a sign saying permanently closed across the front door. For Martin Amos, it's a T-Rex with the face of Sam Neill. And so really, they're having to go to war with their own subconscious. They're having to go to war with their own subconscious. That's what Nodge forces you to do. It asks you the question, can you defeat yourself? Can you defeat your worst fears? Can you defeat your inner demons? And uh, one by one, they popped out. They were all shaken. I I could see that Atwood was taking a while to struggle with that snappy snaps, but eventually she did as well. So they all popped out. Calm descended on everyone. We all looked at each other. Everyone breathed. And we decided as a group to go into one of the the, the decks with, uh, with a nice view of the sea. So we sat in um, the, uh, I think, Aqua Lounge 4. Nice view of the sea. We all sat and relaxed. And Mark Rylance, he had that lovely look came back to his face, that lovely, tranquil, gleaming, like his eyes, uh, like, like diamonds that have been crammed into the, into the eye holes of, a, of, of, a, of, a, of an actor. And we breathed, and it was at that point that Margaret Atwood uh, pulled out a large canister of pig tranquilizer with uh, five spouts, and we all had a we all had a, a jolly good go on it. And it was at that point that I fell into a deep and terrifying sleep. On a different part of the ship, while Banyan was guzzling Nodge and pig sedatives with a group of Booker Prize winners, Arsvet Bob Truscothic was preparing for the hardest operation of his life, the removal of Banyan's cow face. Ahead of the operation, he had agreed to record an audio diary for us on the day. Thanks to Bob for doing this on what was to be a very, very stressful time. <clears throat> this is an audio diary from me, the bovine arsefet Bob Truscothic, on the day of my biggest challenge yet, removing the face of the poet Michael Banyan. Michael was retrieved from the aqua lounge and the operation began. As you might imagine, the operation didn't start quite as planned. Yes, well, we, we hit a stumbling block immediately. Um, unfortunately, the, the, the patient... Uh, 
Michael hadn't hadn't uh, strictly obeyed pre-op protocols uh, and was absolutely chock-a-block with quite a strong pig sedative. Oh my God, he's absolutely off his face on pig sedatives. Fucking hell. Uh, that rather muddied the waters uh, for, for my anaesthetist, for whom the, the waters were already pretty muddy, uh, g- given that he was not quite wholly, but almost wholly unqualified for the situation at, at hand, uh, being a, a sort of former equine dentist. Um, so was, uh, getting Michael comfortable was going to be difficult and, and therefore became our, uh, our lowest priority at that, at that point. The pig sedative meant that Bob and his horse dentist friend had no idea how much anaesthetic to give Michael. A pig is an animal that requires... If, I mean, if you're going to sedate a pig, it, it's going to be heavy sedation. So the, the, the pig sedatives we use are... They are nasty, really nasty drugs. And uh, Michael was absolutely ram-jammed full of this stuff. So it was it was impossible to know, was he even too too sedated i mean there were there were points where it was hard to tell whether he was he was even technically alive michael uh, how did you feel at that time were you aware of the sedation were you completely out of it i uh i went through um a couple of different uh sensations um when i first took the um pig sedative i i mean and it's an experience i've had you know i mean <laughs> i've I've done my fair share of uh, of de-squealer over the years. However, uh, there came a point where this, as far as I'm concerned, and and you know this this legal the, the, legally I can't say too much at this point, but I, I will be suing Bob hard for this because there came a point where halfway through the operation I became aware that I was in a room on a cruise ship, and that a man by the name of Bob Triscothic was hacking away at my face with two steak knives, which didn't even match. They were clearly from different sets. One of them looked like quite a nice John Lewis job with a chrome handle. The other one looked like, I think it had been, um, looked to me like it had been nicked from a pizza hut. And the one thing uh, Bob assured me of at length before we embarked on this medical journey together was that A, I wouldn't wake up and become aware during the operation. B, I wouldn't feel any pain. Now, let's deal with A first. I woke up and became aware of what was going on during the operation. Now, Bob has subsequently said to me that I was having a dream Mm -hmm. that happened to coincide with what was happening. Yep. Can you you prove that it wasn't a dream? That's something I'm working on. Did, Did you video it? No. I didn't video it, Bob, because I was having my face stabbed frankly repeatedly by a man who was clearly drunk off cruise booze it's free i'm only flesh and blood and and regarding suing me join the queue mate first of all regarding the steak knives you try getting a matching set when you're mostly purchasing from charity shops it's not easy it's no mean feat you're lucky one of them was sharp so you're saying it did happen or this was the dream well i'm I'm not going to be pinned down on anything at this stage on the advice of my, my legal team. Yeah, because as far as I can tell, your defence for everything I say to you is it's part of a dream. Look, mate, you're lucky you're even breathing. You've noticed he's alive, haven't you? I mean, that was the, that was his main concern before Am this. I alive or am I, dream- am I dead and dreaming I'm alive? Because I don't know anymore. I'm so confused. 
the amount of emails you're te- every time I send you an email, you send that you say you reply to me saying that that you just that email wasn't real; it was a dream, and so is this reply. You're alive, and it's thanks to some very quick thinking because that was not an easy operation. I can tell you. After I'd made a bit of a hash of the initial incisions, we're losing him. We're losing him. We're losing him. I did. I did manage to peel the face off. I managed to get my fingers under the the subcutaneous layer, and, and it, I mean it was an absolutely magical moment peeling that. Yeah, it'd been hours well, at work. Okay. Absolutely hours. Well, let me. Br- okay. Heels on my feet, well, jammed into your throat. I was pulling back with all my might, all my weight. Okay, well, let, let's get let's get on to point B, which is the point where, again, now, I, I, not only was I aware on the operating table, aware of what was going on, I was in excruciating pain, and I know, Bob, you don't have to. I know you've said I was just having. I was. I was so you. You were having pain I, dreams. Your is I was in such a deep sleep. Yes, that's when I you was, have pain that, dreams. That I was dreaming pain. Mm. I was dreaming realistic pain. Yes. In fact, pain that's probably more realistic than actual pain, yes. or more painful than actual it's pain. Tra- classic okay. side effects of certain anaesthetics. More after this. Hello, I'm the actor Roger Westcott Lemaigrelet, and I love to holiday in international waters. It's about the only bloody place you can escape the rise and rise of Benedict Bloody Cumberbatch. Apparently, I was down to the final two for Sherlock, but they cast Cumberbatch because he gave them five pounds. That's what he does, you know. He's always giving out five pounds. Five pounds here, five pounds there. Anyway, finally my range of tinned nodge has hit the shelves. Well, I say the shelves. It's illegal to buy anywhere on Earth. So you have to go to somewhere called the Dark Web, which sounds like a very foreboding place, but it can't be worse than doing Hamlet for sixth formers in the Midlands, can it? Can it? Not only is my nodge conveniently tinned, it uses only the finest ingredients, including some very large male blue tits. And remember, for that classic nodge experience, serve in a waste paper basket. Or just bang the stuff down you. It really is the best way to make a week go by in the blink of an eye. So don't just drink it, nodge it. Go on, bodge a nodge into your gorge. Remember, consuming nodge is illegal in every country on earth. Please enjoy nodge responsibly. Hello, Benjamin here. May I have a moment of your time to talk about how the Beef and Dairy Network is funded? Now, you may or may not know that um, I'm in a huge amount of debt in grain to the actor Ted Danson. We're doing what we can, but it's not enough. Please help. We will accept any cereal grain. That's any cereal grain that you have. Barley, oats, rye, spelt. Wheat, teff, millet, sorghum, buckwheat, chia seeds, maybe just any beans. Have you got any beans? Rice? Will you accept rice, the actor Ted Danson? Will you? Okay, I'm going to start this bit again. I'm talking about Max Fun Drive. It's the two-week period where shows on this network tell the audience about how these shows are funded. And the truth is they are funded by the audience, which is amazing. And for many years now, I've been able to put proper time into making this podcast. And I know it sounds just like kind of nonsense, but a lot of time goes into it. And it's all down to you guys. I want to say thank you so much. 
I personally really like the maximum fun funding model. We don't run like 10 minutes of ads every episode. Just the one ad. Slash beef. Oh my God. We don't put half the old episodes behind a paywall. And what I really like about Max Fun is it's independent media where the people who make the shows own their own shows in a in a landscape where it's all now big companies giving Prince Harry money to make podcasts to an extent, I think. Listen to me, Harry. You must have access to some grain. You own half of Britain. Um, sunflower seeds? Hemp? Uh, flax seeds? Surely, come on, has Megan got, got access to anything? Lentils? Fava beans? She, she seems like she's into that kind of thing. Come on, you must have something that we could just describe as grain. Please. Please. And I just want to encourage you, if the Beef and Dairy Network is something you value, then... I'm not forcing you to do so. It's always going to be free, but why not, if you can afford it? Support us a bit. That's what I'm asking you today. I know for for many of you, that's not possible. And obviously that's totally fine. But for some of you, it will be possible. And if you look forward to the show appearing when it appears, then why not give something back? That's what I'm saying. In return, there's various things. Go and look on the website, maximumfund.org forward slash join. There's some wonderful gifts and things. If you join at the $10 mark, there's an amazing I Lost It All on Beef Call patch available. Everyone signing up gets access to the bonus material. Um, this year, the bonus material from Beef and Dairy includes completely uncut audio and video of the live show we did last year. That did become uh, a bit of an episode, but I've put the whole thing up and there's lots of fun to be had there. Also, audio from an Ask a Vet session I did with Mike Wozniak. That's up there for subscribers maximumfund.org forward slash join and if you can't support or don't want to that's obviously fine too i'm just really glad you're listening honestly thank you for listening to that i hope you're enjoying this episode what will become of michael banyan let's see while the huge amount of pig sedatives that michael had taken was an issue it was soon dwarfed by a much larger problem as you're aware, uh, before we went onto the ship, we were we were aware that there were going to be certain problems we might face. Some problems we realised about later than others. But what was what was clear there was when this bovine face came off, if there was no face underneath, that would be an unsurvivable situation without an emergency backup face. Okay, we're about two hours into the operation now, and. It's become clear to me that Michael's original human face is totally gone. Uh, We've taken off the cow face. Uh, That's already gone off in a bucket to Lorenzo Montecantini. Uh, But underneath... uh, All we were left with was just a a pool of of salty water, really. Brine, effectively. Unsurvivable. Brine just looks like a pond, basically, or a, a very wet, dropped pizza. Luckily, we have a backup face that was donated to us by the Bovine Farmers Union. Good of them. Um, I suspect they felt bad about what they did. We didn't ask them any questions about where they got the face. Um, But as far as I know, you ask for almost anything in a dockside bar in Southampton, you can get it. Um, So I'm just off to get the backup face now, and we'll see whether that'll stitch onto Michael's head front. However, there was a big problem 
with the backup face. Okay, uh, we've just opened the refrigerated box with the backup face and I can only assume this is a sick prank by the Bovine Farmers Union. It's not a real face at all. It's a rubber joke chop mask with the face of Prince Charles. This left Michael without a face. Uh, he's probably only got minutes left now without a face. Okay, time for emergency measures. What Bob did next is nothing short of extraordinary. And I, I took the heroic step of uh, removing my own face uh, and putting it on Michael Banyan's head front. Uh, at which point I realised immediately that that was an unsurvivable situation for me. So I then asked my equine dentist friend if I could borrow his face for a moment while I just had a minute to think uh, about what to do next, which he very then kindly did. But I then realised if I was going to wear his face, he's not a good-looking man to begin with, and also he's going to be dead in 20 minutes, and he's one of the few people that will still go for a pint with me. So we've then got to find a solution for his face. We, we call in a, a, a steward, a, a koshim, across the back of the face, take his face, put it on front... But then the steward's left without a face. There's a little bit of guilt involved. It, the situation begins to spiral out of control. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, fuck. Oh, this is a mess. Oh, no. Oh, fuck, 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 fuck. Fuck it. Fuck. We're at N minus one, faces-wise, on this cruise ship. Listen. Anyone here willing to have their face sliced off? Temporarily, you'll get it back, I promise. Every time we remove someone's face, I mean, we're, we're calling in uh, entertainers uh, from the cabaret section of the ship, obviously starting out with choruses and backing dancers, but, but soon we're moving up through magicians, uh, pianists, even ventriloquists. We're, we're, we're stealing their faces. So you're in a kind of... Um a kind of moving musical chairs face situation where people are swapping faces left, right and centre. We make the mistake of then moving into the catering staff and, and that's when the, the passengers get wind of what's going on and they don't mind too much that the cabaret's been disrupted but you you disrupt their, their cruise buffet, you're in real trouble, okay? Because all of a sudden they're having to wait up to seven minutes for a pina colada, up to, up to 20 minutes for a club sandwich, they're, they're livid. No sooner are they swarming upon us than we're we're, try, we're taking faces off them. So passengers' faces as well. It's it, 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 it's horrific. And before you know it, you're, you're busting through to the cargo section where the various pets are being transported. Um, I, for at least 20 minutes, had the face of an Irish wolfhound, and it, it, it's it started to get a bit stressful at that stage. Now, Michael, I believe it was unfortunately for you at this point that you actually fully woke up. And the, the pig's additives actually wore off. Yes, I was greeted by one of the most, I think, disturbing sights a human being can be greeted with on waking up, which is a room packed full of people uh, essentially sort of frisbeeing faces onto each other in a circle. And me desperately desperately trying to find my own face in, in, in a sort of, in a moving sea of faces. And I could feel that faces were, were going round in a circle and um, I felt, a, um, I felt um, a budgie's face from the inside um, slap onto my face. And so for a second I had a budgie's face. There was a ship's rat 
a ship's rat face was briefly adhered to the front to my front to my front head and I, I was told apparently that um it looked from an outsider's point of view it looked like my, my, my head to look at me looked like a rat emerging from the middle of a pizza that's what I was told and people were getting very stressed. It was so fast moving that people were losing losing tab of where 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 their where their own faces were. At one point, the captain's face ended up overboard, and he just dived straight in and reemerged a quarter of an hour later with the the face of a marlin, uh, which he's kept actually since then. So, Bob, the, the thing was, and this is mm. something that, that that commentators have have they can't believe really that you didn't realise this that no matter how many people you got involved, no matter how many people were slicing their face off and giving it to someone else. You're always going to be one short. Right. Because as soon as you take one off someone, they then don't have a face. You know, you you realise this now. And yes. Why didn't you realise yes. this at the time? Well, in my, my defence, I was I, I was preoccupied by the difficulty of the of the, the first part of the operation itself. That was that was quite enough to think about. Plus, let's not forget, I come from an honourable veterinary tradition whereby uh, if something hasn't quite gone to plan you simply put your patient in a in a special yellow bin bag and you move on uh that wasn't the case here so i i think my normal settings needed readjusting yeah i understand that and and i think you also you still deserve some credit for the fact that michael is alive you know something which most people didn't think would be the outcome here yes and that is thanks to uh, the ship's mate he very nobly came down and and sacrificed his own face for Michael, knowing full well what would happen to him, knowing full well that there wasn't a spare face for him, because he was a huge fan of Michael Banyan. It emerged later, he was actually a huge fan of Michael Banyard, who it turns out is a is an indie car racer from Arkansas. Um, but uh, by the time we'd, we'd realised that, it was, it was far too late. And I was relieved because I, at the time, was was trying to see if I could get the, the Prince Charles rubber mask to work uh, with some spare horse teeth uh, that my dentist friend always carries with him at, at all times. That really wasn't working at all. Michael, how do you, how do you feel when you know you hear about this now? Tell me about how you feel about the fact that somebody essentially gave up their life for you to have their face, even though they thought you were a racing car driver. Mm, it's very it's very moving um uh, the first thing i'd like to point out is i'm i'm pretty sure that he the, the the mistake was that he thought that the racing car driver uh michael banyard was the poet michael banyard and that was the mistake so no 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 uh, he, he, not, was, he was he was no he, he was very very clear actually mm, about who he mm, thought he was mm, and we we mm, just decided mm. to, to to let it slide Yes, well, I, I, I'm pretty sure that it's, it's no coincidence, is it? That no, we, we actually we went, went through it a few times with him, and it was, mm, it was we were yeah. it was clear that it was a total coincidence. The ship's mate's mother has gone on record as saying that he actually mm. deeply disliked your poetry. It wasn't wasn't just mm. apathetic towards it; he actually disliked mm. it. Well, it's amazing the things that people will say. Um, you know, when they hear that their son has sacrificed his life in order to give his face to a poet that his son thought was a 
indie car racing driver. It's the things that people say on you know, in those situations. Well, his, his mother also she she is a, a sort of retired mm. professor of poetry from I think Cornell University, and, yeah. a, and uh, that's that's why he he was very yes. familiar with yeah. poetry. So you have to ask retired, isn't it? Why you have to ask that question? Why why is she retired? Maybe she well, she's in the late 60s now. But got things wrong. Yeah, I think read between the lines. There's a lot of confusion in that family at the moment, and they're the only thing they can hold on to at the moment is is is, is the idea that um, that you know I think they're they're angry with me. I, I don't blame them. They're angry with me, and they're trying to besmirch my poetry. Yes, they're angry, but um, maybe they. I, you know, I can't speak for them, but maybe they get some sucker from knowing that his face lives on. His face lives on. Okay. Uh, that's the operation finished. Oh, God, he looks like an absolute dog's breakfast. So, Michael, you've, you've got this new face. It's the face of a 24-year-old sailor from a cruise liner. And I have to say, it, it's strange to see you with a human face. Um, nevertheless, I would say it looks fine. It looks fine, I would say. Well, yeah, I mean, you're 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 being generous. Um, look, um, there's been some there's been some teething problems. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. It, it, it was always going there was always going to be a degree of aftercare needed um, with something like this. What's happened is there's there's essentially some quite the the, the eye sockets are, are loose. Basically, this was a young man, a fit, glossy skinned American man with a, with a good, a strong jaw and that that, that tight. American skin that um, is famous the world over. So tight. And that has had to be adhered to the, um, well, essentially the the, decay, well, the, the decayed underface or, 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 or head front of a, uh, a middle-aged man, but more than that, a middle-aged man who has had a cow's face stuck to his face for years and essentially getting those two things to match up isn't a given. What Bob said to me was it, it, it was like having to use Pritt stick to stick a post-it onto a, well, a plate of noodles in a gale. But this will improve, I assume, Bob. This will, Im- this will improve over time as it begins to take or? Um, I, so I, one of the reasons I, I've had the career I've, I've had is I, I don't like to break bad news, really. I, I, I prefer it when the bad news breaks itself um you know because the uh, the homing pigeon is is clearly dead or whatever it is uh, that i've been treating I, I, i'd rather hope that michael um being an, an educated intelligent man would have would have by now worked out his own bad news but I, clearly that's not the case i mean it's not going well is it we 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 can all we can all see that yeah, we, we, I've got I've got ears on my shoulders, mate. Yes. Well, <laughs> with, with any transplant, typically there would be a degree of immunosuppressive therapy to prevent uh, rejection. I can't get access to that kind of stuff with with the way my license is. Um, so instead, I've had to give Michael just some uh, old old tube of eczema cream I found in the bottom of my bag, and um, but th- that hasn't cut it really. And the, the face as it is now. I mean, what's left of it would come off in contact with a, a scratchy towel, to be honest, uh, or a, a strong gust of wind. Yeah, so I'm having to I'm having to exclusively use guest towels at the moment, um, and, and I, I think you'll you'll be able to move on from that pretty soon because that. 
what I'm trying to get out of here, Michael, is that 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 face is it's not it's not it's not going to happen. You, your the the architecture of your of your underface has got so used to a cow's face that there's simply no way that any human face is ever going to fully adhere with with your head. Now you, you're at the end of the line. I'm saying human face wise, what is left of that face uh, is going to slough off within a week. You are going to be faceless. That's a certainty. And once you are faceless, then either you simply wait for the inevitable or, and I'm presenting you with the only possible solution that is survivable here, or, and this is this is some good news to soften the bad news, I can offer you a brand spanking new cow's face to replace your face. So that's that's great news. And not only that, I'm in a position to offer you uh, a choice. You could have Belgian blue, Hereford, Hungarian grey, or at a pinch, I could get you a Guernsey. Uh, yeah, Hungarian grey, obviously. But look, 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 hang on, are, are you? Are you is, is this serious? Is is this some sort of? I'm quite serious. Prank or because I think I think frankly, I've, I've been through enough over the last couple of weeks that, that I don't think I'm, I don't see myself as like someone that, that really like needs pranking or is going to particularly sort of enjoy a prank. Do you know what I mean? So I, I am quite serious, and we 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 need to act now urgently. Okay, so and it's it's a Hungarian grey. If say? that's what you want, yes, I can get that. Yeah, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So what are you saying? Are you saying, uh, Bob, that that no human face mm. will ever adhere back onto? No, I mean that's been proven by what we've done. The the, the, the architecture is just it's just not there anymore. I mean, you could try an alpaca, but I I wouldn't recommend it. A horse? No way. No chance. So, Michael, it, it sounds like if you want to stay alive, you're going to have to be re-cow-faced, back to square one in some ways. How does that feel? For what it's worth, I, I, I think it's going to actually, this is going to feel like coming home for me. I think sometimes you have to go a long way to realise that where you were was probably certainly where you started out. Well, I'll see you the day after tomorrow. There's a disused railway sidings just north of Marseille. I'll send you the coordinates. Don't be late. Thank you very much, both of you. Uh, Michael Banyan and Bob Truscothic, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. A big thanks to Michael Banyan and Bob Truscothic for their cooperation in letting us cover the momentous events of recent times. Good luck to you, Michael, with that new cow's face. And thank you for listening to Banyan, the defacening. Banyan the defacening, part two, the refacening. We should also spare a moment for the 24-year-old American sailor. His name, Chup Bupkins. That's Chup Bupkins. Sorry, just looking at it now, I think it's Bup Chupkins, who gave his life and face so Michael could have a face for a few days before ultimately discarding it and leaving it in a bin in France. Sorry, no, it was right the first time. It's Chup Bupkins. Chup Bupkins. 
Banya and the Defacening is a production of the Beef and Dairy Network. The producer was Alan Wamboni. The music and sound design by Erasmus Donkeyfield. Help came from Susanna Blanket, Hannah St. Sternold, and Hernald Yom. Banya and the Defacening was created by Crabmeat Dixon and was edited by Quincy Wincy Tramasco St. John and a team of trained pigs. Our director of sound design is also a pig. Our fact checkers are Adam Sitcombe and Caitlin Timetable. The exec producer was Talon Yambolier, and there was this woman in the office. And after about three weeks, people started talking like, is she even working here? Like, I've never seen her before. Like, is she a, is she an employee here? Does, does she work for the Beef and Dairy Network? Uh, and why is she constantly sopping wet? And I had to, I had to admit, I, I just, I've never seen, I've literally never seen her before. So I went up to her and I was like, sorry, do you work here? What are you, what are you doing here? And she said, what am I doing here? What, what do you mean, what am I doing here? This is a municipal swimming pool. What are you all doing here? Yeah, we, we never got to the bottom of that one. Sorry, my mistake, it is Bup Chupkins. No, I'm sure of it this time. It's Bup. It's Bup Chupkins. Banyan the Defacening was made possible by funding from the Sid Onion Fund the Buck P. Mitchell Foundation, and everyone who supported Beef and Dairy Network through the Max Fun Drive by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. Hello, thanks for listening. Your final reminder, I'm sorry to keep going on like a broken record, but that's it for this year, that you can go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join to support the podcast. Also this week on Thursday at 8pm UK time, I'm going to be doing a live stream with Tom Neenan aka Dr. Sam Archer. To watch that, come to twitch.tv forward slash Benjamin Partridge. And last time, I promise, maximumfund.org forward slash join. Go and have a look. And thank you to everyone who signed up so far this Max Fun. And thank you in advance to those of you who are about to. All right. I will never mention it ever again. Until next year. Bye. <laughs>